Would you bow your heads in prayer? Lord, grant that this morning you would guide our hearts, our minds, into your word. Help us to listen. Help us to focus. Help us to grow up in all things into you. In your name we pray. Amen. So, guys, you're going to have to put up with me because um, the sermon you're going to hear, and I'll, I'll try to change the words a little bit, is written for the five young folks that are going to be sitting there at the second service. And I thought this morning, as I thought about Confirmation Sunday, and I want you to think about the day you were confirmed or the day your kids or grandkids will be confirmed. And I want you to think for a moment about the very first confirmation class. Because they were confirmed on Monday, Thursday, and then kind of again on Easter evening. And in particular, I want you to focus on one of the first confirmands, Peter. Because, you know, and I, I don't know if you realize this, they took their first communion at the first communion, right? And during that, during that evening, they all made promises, but probably Peter stands out with his promise. By the way, uh, uh, that picture that's up there, that's, uh, that's from by the sea where, where Jesus restores Peter. That's a statue by the Sea of Galilee. Well, that night, Jesus told his disciples, he said, one of you will betray me. Surely not I, was how all of them responded. This very night, Jesus told them, you will fall, all fall away on account of me. And I want you to hear Peter's reply. Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Now, I wonder if you think back to your confirmation, if you realize you made the same promise. It went something like this, and I'm going to ask the kids this question today. This comes straight out of the confirmation, right? Do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession and church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? And you all answered as instructed by the pastor, I'm sure. I do, by the grace of God. Now, I want you to think about something. It didn't take long for Peter to break his promise. 
to fail at his confirmation vows. And in fact, that's why I want to think about Peter this morning because he's like us. And I'm wondering, what does Peter have to teach us? And the first thing that he would say to you and me is, be ready. Now, beginning of May, kids were nervous because they had to sit upstairs in the classroom with me asking the questions and three or four lay ministers and a couple of deaconesses sitting there, and they were nervous about taking that exam. And last night, when they answered their question, when they gave their testimony, I was watching beforehand, they were, their knees were doing this in the pews. They were trying to act and laugh and joke and everything, but they were nervous. And then, then they, you know, even though this morning when I ask them questions, they, they're going to get, I'm going to say, if so, then answer. You know, they're going to get there. They're still going to be nervous to stand up in front. But the folks, I need to tell you, and those of you who have been confirmed know this from experience, the real confirmation doesn't happen in here. It happens out there. And so Peter starts out and he says, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Now, I, I want to give you a literal translation because there's, there's a much more literal translation to this. He says, gird up. This is what he's saying in the Greek. Gird up your loins and get ready and keep your head clear so that you can think and see, see clearly. Now, what in the world does that mean? Gird up your loins. Well, in ancient times, in the Roman world, they wore togas, right? And when they, ran, when they were getting ready to run, or they were getting ready for battle, they didn't want to trip, so they took their robe and they tucked it in real tight so that they could run. That's girding up your loins, okay? That's what he's saying here. He says, make sure that you take care of anything that might get you in trouble when your faith is put to the test. Be ready. And, and Peter speaks from experience. Because you know what? When, when he was with the twelve and they were in the upper room and he made that vow... That was easy. But then a few hours later, he wasn't with friends. He was sitting in the courtyard of the high priest. Jesus was under arrest. He was on trial. And surrounding Peter were all the people who had arrested Jesus. Surrounding him there were enemies. And so when one of them asked him, weren't you with Jesus in Galilee, Jesus Peter didn't just fail once to keep his promise. He failed three times. I don't know the man. So Peter knows. The real test happens out there. Now I'm pretty sure that you didn't think this and that these kids don't think this, that, but taking your exam 
and reading your testimony and doing your confirmation in front of the whole congregation is easy. It's, it's not the tough part of it at all. The real, I mean, because, you know, I always tell them, the, these people out here, they're, they're all on your side, right? And they're just happy you're up front and they're not, right? Out there is where the real test comes, Right? For these kids, it's going to be that day when they're sitting alone in front of a computer screen and being tempted. Or it's going to come when they're alone for the first time with a date and temptation's going to come. Or it's going to come in a classroom, maybe. In college, when the professor is going to ridicule people who believe what Christians believe. Or it's going to be a friend who thinks, you really believe all that stuff? Or somebody's going to come to them, and it happens to you, right? They come with an argument, and it sounds plausible, and it's hard to figure out how to argue against it. Or it's somebody that matters to you. And they make fun of your faith. Or it's going to be one of those situations, right? It's going to be one of those situations when um, the people you're with are all gossiping about somebody. A friend of yours. And you have the choice... To join in, to say nothing, or to speak up in defense of your friends. The real confirmation is going to come, and it comes for you guys too, on a Sunday morning when you're tired and it's rainy, or you have something else you'd rather do than be in God's house. All those things come, don't they? And I love Peter's words to us here in the text. He says, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Well, how have you guys done? See, when I think of Peter's story, when I look at my own story, in fact, when I think of the life of every confirmed Christian I know, I can guarantee to the kids that are going to get confirmed today, the promises you're making you're going to break them. You're going to fail. Every one of us does. That's why, folks, the most important promises 
on the day of your confirmation and on every day are not your promises. The most important promises are the promises that God makes to you. And you want to know what the first promise is? Grace. Listen to the... Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, on the, on the day of their exam, we asked them, if God asked you, why should I let you into heaven? Why, why? What reason would you give him? And one of the confirmants said, I don't deserve to go to heaven. But I get to go because of Jesus. That's the grace. That on that last day when you and I show up at, before God's throne, even though we don't deserve to be let in, He's going to let us in. See, grace is God's undeserved love for us. Grace is the confirmation that no matter what you have done and no matter what you will do, God loves you anyway. Grace is the confirmation that knowing everything there is that condemns you and me, there is now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. Think about that, right? I think just a couple weeks ago, we looked at the text, right, where Peter... And Jesus are aside. I want you to remember what, how Jesus responded to Peter's failure. He took Peter aside after the resurrection. It's one of his last appearances. And he doesn't berate Peter. He doesn't belittle him. He doesn't say, I don't want you around anymore. No, he takes Peter off by himself. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Jesus is saying to him, I know all about your failure. But that doesn't stop me from loving you. You still have a place in my kingdom. And, and that's something that I hope that you all leave here every Sunday and that these confirmands leave here today knowing that God is gracious. That's his promise. You know what the second promise is? Redemption. Now, folks, a lot of people in our society think that what matters is what you've done with your life. Or how beautiful you're able to make yourself, or how successful, or what you're doing in the field, and, and all that stuff, what kind of education you have, what kind of house you've been able to get for yourself, all that stuff. But I want to say to you something. We are not human doings. We are human beings. And what gives us value is that God loves us and has redeemed us. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. You were ransomed. That's what it means to be redeemed. The, the ransom price was paid to free you from the 
futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Folks, you learned this in the catechism, right? That Jesus redeemed us, lost and condemned persons, purchased and won us from sin, death, and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, not with what the world says is valuable, but with the holy precious, his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. And he did it all so that you and I could be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness by his death. Jesus paid the price so that there is no price left to be paid. You are no longer a slave. You are free. You are God's child. You are a member of his kingdom. At baptism, he came to you and he said, I paid the price. You're mine. Think about that. Even Peter, who had failed miserably, on the cross, Jesus paid the price for Peter's failures. And he paid the price for all of yours and all of mine. So you got God's promise of grace, God's promise of redemption. How do we know those are too true and we can count on them? Because of his third promise, his promise of faithfulness. You know what faithfulness is? That's God's promise to keep his promises. I love how this, this section in Peter ends. He says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but the imperishable. Through what? Through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. Nations rise and nations fall. Diseases come and diseases end. Success happens and success ends, Right? You were born, you will die, but one thing, and when I think in my life about of all the things that have changed, one thing has never, ever changed. The word of the Lord abides forever. That's his promise to you. You're going to fail. Other people will break their promises to you. But God will not. How do we know? Because to keep those promises, Jesus died on a cross and then rose again. If God did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? No matter how many promises the Bible says God has made, no matter what they are, they are all yes in Christ. You know, I, I think that Peter meant exactly what he said. I don't think there was a shred of doubt when he made that promise in the, in the uh, upper room that day. He meant it. And I'm praying that these young people, they mean and take seriously the promises they made. I pray that the promises of your confirmation are promises you mean. I don't think Peter planned to fail. 
And you know what? One day, eventually, as he had grown in his faith, Peter had to keep that promise, and he was put to death on a neck-shaped cross in fulfillment of his promise to his Savior. But folks, I pray that you and I are serious about our promises, but that we build our life on and that we cling to his promises. You understand what I'm saying? I think I've shared this story with you before. It's the story of a pilot and co-pilot, and his plane's about to land. There's something wrong with the back hatch of the plane. He goes back, and the long story short, the thing flies open, and out the back of the plane he goes. And when they land the plane, they find him still alive, clinging for dear life to the doorway at the back of the plane. Now, I, they say that he was his grip was so strong they had to pry his fingers loose. Now, I don't know if that really happened. It sounds a little crazy to me, but the, the image is great. That's how tightly you and I should cling by faith to the promises of God. Because those are the promises that are confirmed today. His. He died. Shed his blood to keep his promises. He rose again so that you would know that you have life forever. At baptism, he came to you personally, called your name, and said to you, I did this all for you. And today, in bread and wine, he gives you his body and blood, confirmation that the price is paid in full, that you are His. All His promises right here. Grace, love, though you and I don't deserve it. Redemption, because this was the price of your redemption. Faithfulness, because He promises He will keep every promise He has ever made. And keep it for you. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.